The Stinkin' Truth Podcast is presented by Core Water. He spent 12 years in the NFL. You can't trust a guy that gyrates his hips after he scores. Has three Super Bowl rings, made multiple Pro Bowl appearances, over 16 years of broadcasting between ESPN and Fox Sports. And that's why I'm the greatest football player and best sports analyst ever. He's a soap opera star. That's pretty, uh... I can't remember what I was supposed to say. <laughs> As a reoccurring role on HBO Ballers. Mark Slareth, handsome son bitch, get out here. And makes one hell of a bowl of green chili. It's Mark Slareth, and this is the Stinking Truth Podcast. Hey, welcome into the Stinking Truth Podcast. Your host, Mark Slareth, along with uh, my co-host, Mike Evans, producer Scott the Huff. Got to thank our presenting sponsor, the great people over at Coor Water. Hydrate with Coor. I'm telling you what, you're going to love this water pH balance to meet your body's uh, natural pH balance of 7.4, electrolytes, you name it. Great, great water. A big giant suck hole on that thing. So, I mean, you can just pound water. It does make me drink more water, as a matter of fact. When I go to the gym, I drink, because I'm not a water drinker, I'm more of a coffee drinker, but I actually drink more water because I think it's because of the giant suck hole and because it's, it's delicious water. It, it truly is. You can find out uh, more, or you can pick it up at 7-Eleven, the one with the big blue cap. You can find out more at hydratewithcore.com. You think they might want to work like giant suck hole into their next ad campaign? I mean, I think you can't go wrong with a giant suck hole. Uh, no, you can't. You can't. I mean, hey, listen, hasn't that been like the episode? Hasn't that been... How many how many Star Trek or Star Wars movies have they made that had some type of you're trying to avoid the big giant suck right. hole? Right. You know what? I say embrace the giant suck hole. That's <laughs> what I right. say. That's right. Embrace the giant suck hole. Life would be better if we would mm-hmm. just embrace the giant suck hole. You know, I, I looking back on this this last week in the NFL, Mark, and looking ahead, you know what? You talked about earlier in the week on our podcast about how the, the TV ratings are just killing it. You know why? Because chicks dig the long ball, people like offense. Yeah, and boy, are we getting our fill of offense this year in the in the NFL. It's been great. I mean, you think back: Rams, Saints, Patriots, Packers. Right. Got another big week. We will get to our money maker picks here in a second. But offense, man, people love offense. Uh, you know what's getting it all over the yeah, place. You know what's crazy about the NFL? I mean, I mean, think about the way they have structured. Some sometimes I hate. Like I hate the NFL. I hate the competition committee. I hate uh, like I hate what they do. Hey, we're gonna take contact out of the game. We're gonna make it impossible to play defense. You know, you can't hit anybody anymore, and all this, that, and the other. And and I get it, and it pisses me off. But at the same time, you know what they're doing? They're playing to the audience that they've cultivated. Let's let's face it. If you're an old school football guy. Right, the Vince Lombardi. We're gonna get a seal here, and we're gonna get a seal here, and we're gonna run it down the alley. You know, if you're that guy, the NFL is saying, "Hey, um, thanks for participating over the last sixty years. We no longer give a shit about you. What we've done is we've cultivated a generation of fantasy football people." And you wanted to call them nerds, didn't you? Yeah, but geeks. they we, we don't yeah we don't discriminate against the geeks anymore. On, think about this, Mike. There used to be a day where you, you know you're hardcore and you had to understand you know what's the difference between a cover two and a cover four and how do you trap a t- cover two and the three and the one and, and 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 now it's not really about that. What we've done is we've opened it up to everybody: black, white, yellow, male, female, doesn't matter. Everybody. 
plays fantasy football. Everybody digs the the statistics and the scores. And so what we've done is we've created rules to mimic the the audience that we've cultivated. Like we got a bunch of people clicking computer keys, you know, setting up fantasy fantasy football rosters that are going to the games. They're not watching the game. They don't care about the like they don't care so much about the, the what's going on or the strategy. They just want to see their fantasy football player score points. Isn't that really what it's become? And and kudos to them. You know, $14 billion a year, you can't go wrong with that. They know what they're doing. I tip my hat. You know what? As much as I hate you guys, and I do, you're smarter than I am. I'll, t- I'll tell you what, DeHuff, get, get for us. We had our uh, on our radio show during the week. We we talked to Rex Ryan. Yeah, Rex, old guy. school, love old Rex school, Ryan. right? We all love Rex, but I, I we asked him if when it comes to filling out head coaching vacancies in the NFL moving forward, if it's got to be all offensive guys and whether or not there's any room now for defensive guys. I, th- I found his answer interesting. No, I mean let's face it, the guys, the the two guys they think of most when they when they're talking about offensive minded head coaches. Sean Payton and Sean McVay, well, they, they coach like a defensive coach. Everything's predicated that the, the running game sets up everything, you know, in the passing game. Uh, some weeks you'll see Drew Brees throw, throw for 120 yards. Some weeks you'll, you'll see him throw for 400. But that, that's what it is. I mean, let's face it, it's a hell of a lot easier just to dial up plays than it is to, uh, uh, to know how to defend it. And I think that's what you're seeing. You're not seeing – near the coaches that, like where I grew up with, there was a ton of great coaches. You know, the Belichicks, you know, of the world, uh, Ron Rivera's, people like that. Um, you know, Zimmer's still doing a good job out there. Mike Tomlin. There's a ton of defensive coaches. Defensive coaches, I'm just telling you, have a better understanding of an entire game than an offensive guy. And offense guys, oh, no, it's not true. Bull, all you're doing is calling a play. You got the white pieces on the chessboard. The toughest job is to have have the uh, you know you get to move first. The toughest thing is to call plays, you know, and react to those plays. So you got to have a great understanding of the game when you're a defensive coach, and that's why I still think in the history of the league, defensive coaches, in my opinion, uh, are the ones that are most successful, and you know, right even down to the Tom Landrys of of the world. So. Um, you know, Jimmy Johnson's any of those. You can just go on and on with, with that list. But um, either way, uh, you know, it's, I, I think we're not – I think we're getting a little more uh, sophisticated in the offenses that are, that are played. But, unfortunately, we're not doing that defensively. Uh, I, I think people are just running one or two, you know, things, and, and that's it. And, well, we'll play fast and we'll, we'll react up to them and all that. Well, that's not how you play defense. Defense is – I always felt that you attack the offense, and, and not just the quarterback, but you attack everybody. You attack protections. You attack the offensive linemen. You know, you attack uh, – uh, you name it. So, to me, it, it's still uh, – you know, I know if I came in the league, I'd be attacking the hell out of these offenses. You know, I, I mean, I would – it is interesting. You know, that aspect, reactionary offense, you're going a certain way. Um, the reactionary aspect of defense. You think about it, there, there's a lot of guys that grew up on the defensive side of the ball that you know that are great head coach. Well, obviously Bill Belichick, but he mentioned Mike Tomlin. Um, there are a lot of guys, Ron Rivera, that that grew up 
you know, being defensive coordinators, defensive players, the guys that that lined up on that side of the ball or or understand that side of the ball. I just find I just find it interesting now, Mike, though, with the influence of the college football game and the spread offenses and the tempo of offense that you are not going to become more involved um, getting guys like Sean McVay, getting the young offensive coaches. Look what Sean McVay has done with the Rams. You know, Jeff Fish was a defensive guy. That same personnel, all of a sudden they went from some also-ran team that you get an offensive coach in there that develops a quarterback, and they went from some 8-8 eight and eight team every year to a team that's contending for a world championship. You look what what you know Sean Payton has done offensively with the New Orleans Saints. You look at a guy like Matt Nagy. Matt Nagy has done a phenomenal job, and Andy Reid disciple. He's gone to Chicago, and Mitchell Trubisky, who I'm not quite sure. I mean, I think he started 13 games in college. I'm not quite sure. Like, let me let me reverse that. I'm quite sure that if you would have got if you would have given him a defensive-minded head coach, they'd be running the crap out of Howard, and 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 Mr. Trubisky would not have progressed like he's progressed. I mean, he's become he's gotten better. And you know who looks like he's regressed under a defensive coach? Sam Darnold. Does Sam Darnold not look better early early in the season than he does right now with with Todd Bowles coaching him? So I'm not so sure that I agree. I understand where Rex Ryan's coming from, but I think if I'm running a team right now, I'm finding somebody on the offensive side of the ball who understands, you know, how to attack coverages, how to attack defenses, how to give my young quarterback the best opportunity to be successful. I, I think if I'm owning a team, that's the direction I'm going. Well, let, let me bring up another person that we we talked to uh, during the week. Our buddy Joel Klatt, lead college football analyst at Fox. Um, and, and he has one person and one person in mind when it comes to the guy that's ready to be called upon for the college ranks. If I was John Elway, I'd call Lincoln Riley. Point blank, period. Just I, I'm throwing it out there right now. I think Lincoln Riley is a star. A star sitting with him, meeting with him, seeing how he operates, uh, the way that his mind works, the way that he calls plays, the way that he develops matchups and creates space on the football field. I think he's a star. I'm not saying that I would absolutely hire him, but he would be one of my first two calls for sure. You know, a lot of people think that then then it's about volume, and so they they're thinking like, oh, okay, so it's about bravado and volume. Mm-hmm. That's how I'm going to control the room. But the problem is that it's not authentic to them. I think that the best way to control any environment around you is to be 100% yourself, right? Because that's when you realize, I've got this theory about leadership, that you're either, you're either the glass of milk or you're the refrigerator, okay? And, and the glass of milk is going to turn into the temperature of, of whatever surroundings it's in. You put it in a, in a room temperature room, it's going to turn to room temperature. You put it outside, it's going to turn into whatever temperature is outside. The refrigerator takes whatever is around and you put it inside that refrigerator, everything in the refrigerator turns into that temperature. And, and to me, that has more to do with authenticity than it does personality. Okay, because people that are authentic are their own temperature, 
Okay, and and when they set a vision, you know that it's true and it's going to be consistent every single day, every single day. Consistency owns the room. And so when I sit with Lincoln, every single time I've sat with him, whether it was prior to them playing Ohio State at home when he was an offensive coordinator or, uh, you know, last year playing in, in the Bedlam game or this year going into Red River, He's been the same guy, the same guy. He talks about the same type of things. He talks about his philosophy. And then it comes to my last point. In order to be the refrigerator, not only do you have to be authentic, but you've got to stand for something. You've got to have a backbone and a true north that guides your football acumen. Because if you don't stand for something, then you stand for nothing. And you're just going to be on a whim, like the glass of milk, turning into whatever temperature you're around, trying to you know, grab at, at the bag or the tree or whatever it is in order to you know, find success on the field. Well, we're going to just implement this and implement that, and, and we're going to do it because it'll work. No, 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 no. It's not about what will work. It's about who you are. And, and Lincoln is very authentic. Uh, and, and he's got a true north when it comes to football, and he's been very consistent every single time I've, I've ever talked. Man, Clatt loves himself some Lincoln Riley. So are you telling me, are you telling me that the idea that defense wins championships is now outdated? Well, I, I'll that tell you. That you better build an offense that can score 40. Well, I'll tell you this, that one – Whoever came up with that phrase was a defensive coach that wanted some props. You know, defense wins championships. Um, I've always said that complete teams win championships. But anymore, every rule is bent toward the offense having success. How how difficult is it for a defense to have success on a consistent basis? Really, where most teams have their success. You know what? It's not so much about defense in general. I think today's NFL is about red zone defense. You, defense between the 20s honestly can't be played. Like every rule is stacked against you, right? So what you have to do is you have to get, when you get to the red zone, you have to use the numbers um, to your advantage. And, and when, I, when I say that, I'm talking about you have 12 defenders because now all of a sudden you can't get beat over the top. Because you've got the end line. You've got the back of the end zone. So I think it really boils down to this. We're going to give up a a shit ton of yards, but we're going to keep you from scoring. We're going to make you kick field goals. And that's really where you win football games today. The offenses that can put up points, put up numbers, and a defense that can make you limit you in the red zone and make you kick field goals. That's the formula for today's football. If you can do that, you can win a championship. So I would say that, yes, the offense out trumps the defense at this point because all the rules are stacked that way. But still, though, we saw a dominant offensive team in New England run up against a dominant defense. Now, this is you know, with the idea that you still have a very good defense. Uh-huh. But we saw what the Giants were able to do to the Patriots twice in Super Bowls. And I'll take – you give me Lincoln Riley's offense. You give me the most innovative – explosive, spread it out, college football offense that exists today, and I know Alabama will shut it down cold. So is the idea of still winning with defense dead? Uh, So here's the issue with – see, Alabama I don't think is a fair comparison. Does their pro team play in college? 
Yeah, I mean they they recruit kids that like when they don't recruit Mark, they select. Well, okay, so what they do is they walk through wherever they're walking through, and you know they find that they just you know what they do. You see all the razor commercials, you know the TV razor commercials. There's the Harry's commercials, and they've got the the thing all locked up. They just send their people, like their coaches. They go, here's what we're gonna do. We're going to send you out to the Piggly Wiggly, okay? I want you to go hang out in the razor section all day. Get yourself a chair, hang out there. When you see a 10-year-old buying razors because he needs to <laughs> shave, give him a scholarship. That's our kid, right? The, the, they got full-grown-ass men. Like, you look at look at the skins, and the skins have really turned around this year. I think they've got, I think, four of their defensive starters, I think three defensive linemen and... One safety, maybe, are all Alabama players. <laughs> like four of their starting eleven are. I mean, I don't know what the percentages of that. If it was four of ten, it'd be forty percent. So let's call it thirty-five percent of your defensive starters in professional football came from one defense in college. I mean, come on. They, they are playing, like, when you watch them play and you look at their O-linemen, you just look at their lines of scrimmage. Like Alabama, you can talk about how fast they are or whatever. You know, you can talk about all that stuff. Just look at their lines of scrimmage. It's like playing a bunch of full-grown men against high school kids. I mean, it's an ass-whipping that goes on on the line of scrimmage. So Alabama's probably not a fair comparison because in the NFL, everybody's got talented guys. You know, it's the best of the best of the best. So everybody, like from a just a pure athleticism standpoint, everybody's pretty close. You know, there's a few guys, there's a few J.J. Watts and Aaron Donalds of the world that, you know, have been touched by the hand of God and, and are just like, you're going to be a freak show. Boom. But for the most part, everybody's everybody's a freak show. And then there's the elite, crazy, weirdo freak show guys that – you know, or kind of one of a kind. And to be honest, there's there's not a team out there, right, defensively like those Giants teams. There's nobody that you can really point to no. that, that fits and, that kind of profile. So as, failing as much, that, you better have an offense. Right, and and you got to understand also that the league has, even since then, and that's what, five or six years ago? Even since then, it's changed. You know, even since the, the Legion of, of Boom, in 2013, or even the Broncos with a no-fly zone in 2015, the rules have even changed dramatically, or at least they're being enforced dramatically different even since that time. So it continues to progress to give you the biggest opportunity to score points because that's that's what they want. I mean, they want this to be a slot machine. They want it to mimic fantasy football. That's, that's what they want. All right, so you are ready to do our... Oh yeah, moneymaker picks. Yeah, what's on tap is a moneymaker tip. What's on tap? The moneymaker uh, picks, and um, those are brought to you by Bud Light. Bud Light, the team sponsor cans. If you checked out these cans, absolutely awesome. You can find them at any grocery store in America. Uh, I got a bunch of the Broncos cans. Uh, as far as you guys know, I'm going to bring you some because um, I love you guys. I just haven't gotten it done yet. But it, as far oh, as you I'm know, sure it's coming. Right? Oh yeah, yeah it's just, it's yeah. on the way. Yeah. For sure, 100%. But the uh, team sponsor cans are really cool. Check it out. That's Bud Light uh, bringing you our picks this week, the moneymaker picks. That's what's on tap. 
from Bud Light. All right, man, you you get to well fill me in on on, uh, on what happened I knew, last I week. I knew I wasn't going to be able to escape this. So I had a rough week. I went one and two. Oh, you went three and zero. Oh. Winning three and zero. Oh. So by virtue of that three mm-hmm. and zero, oh, mm-hmm. you are now seventeen and one on the season. I am seventeen and eleven. So those <laughs> those <laughs> those ties that you like to uh, make uh-huh. fun of. This is why you're in first place right now because of a so tie. So what is mine? I'm 17. 17, 10, and 1. 10, and 1. I'm 17, 11. I'm a half game behind you by Man. virtue of that tie. I'm telling you what. So what, ties are good. Ties can be good, Mark. What I am doing to you, like the sisters were kinder to Andy Dufresne oh! than what I am to you in the moneymaker picks. Wow. So you get to go first this that week. That escalated quickly. <laughs> All right. Well, against right. that backdrop... Uh, I'm going to start out, uh, I'm going to go with Atlanta, minus four and a half over Cleveland at Cleveland. I like what is developing here with Atlanta. That Mm -hmm. performance going into D.C. and throttling a a decent Washington team, that's three wins in a row for Dan Quinn's team. I think they're starting to put it together. Julio Jones finds the end zone for the first time in forever. You, You know what else is crazy about that team? I mean, you know how hard it is to find pass rushers in this league? I know. And they just found one in Bruce Bruce Irvin's. Or Bruce Irving. Irwin. Bruce Ir- Irwin. Irving. Irwin. What? I think it's Irwin. That's not Irwin. I-R-W-I-N. Irwin. Not Bruce Irving. Is it I-R-V-I-N? <laughs> Hold on, DeHuff. Let's uh, let's effort here. Irvin. I-R-V-I-N. Oh, it is Bruce Irvin. Excuse me. Irwin is the guy that was a crocodile hunter. They got that... <laughs> He got speared with a with a stingray or something. Stingray. All right, we are, off the, we are off the rails. Wow. Okay, it doesn't matter. They found a pass they rusher, found a which pass is really rusher. good. Okay. And where did they find that pass rusher from? I have no idea. Oakland. Oh, really? Yeah. Oakland, the Raiders. Okay, yeah. well, yeah. there you go. They, All right, yeah. so that, you take Atlanta. That team that doesn't have pass rushers because they're so hard to find. Uh, yes, I'll take Atlanta minus the four and a half over Cleveland. Give me also a rivalry game. I, I think Philly wins, but... Uh, believe it or not, uh, I'm going to actually take Dallas. I'm going to take Dallas plus the seven. A rivalry game. I think Philly wins, but I think Dallas, the heat is on in Dallas after that debacle on Monday night. I think they will bounce back, uh, at least cover, but I do think Philadelphia wins. And I'm going to take one more other underdog. The Rams are the Rams. I think they'll bounce back after losing to the Saints, but they're a little bit leaky defensively right now. Yes. Um, and I think Seattle will find a way to keep it close. Give me Seattle plus the 10 and a half. Man, I'd say that was one that I was on. So we agree on that one. But since you took it first, you get first pick because you're the loser. <laughs> um, that I'm like, I'm going to stay away from that. So here I go with my picks. Um, I like what Carolina has done. I like kind of where they are right now, but they're heading to Pittsburgh. And Pittsburgh just feels to me like they're playing pretty decent football. Ben Roethlisberger, James Conner has done things that uh, nobody else has done. They seem to be rallying around the whole, hey, you know, the Le'Veon Bell. He, he, you know, it it just seems to come full circle on that one. I'm going to take Pittsburgh minus four uh, to beat the Carolina Panthers. I like that. I think New Orleans, offensively, they can just do whatever they want to do. Um, They're heading into Cincinnati. They're they're giving up five and a half. I like New Orleans to go into Cincinnati, continue to run roughshod over the course or over the rest of the league. And then 
Um, I'm going to go back to the team I always go to. I'm going to go to the New England Patriots. Uh, giving up seven to Tennessee in Tennessee. Tennessee 4-4 four and four coming off a nice win against Dallas. I believe New England goes into Tennessee, takes care of business, goes 8-2, and two, and does it by more than a touchdown. So I'll take the New England Patriots to cover that my, that seven points. You know, Belichick's beating everybody, right? But and right. he's got a great record against uh, quarterbacks that he's facing for the first time. He's got a great record against coaches that used to coach for him, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but here's a first. Here's a first in the Bill Belichick career. Coaching against a coach who used to play for him, Mike Vrabel. So what do you think that means? I have no idea. I'm just saying it's a first. I don't know I'm either. sure that it'll be, we'll add another number to Belichick's coaching resume. 1-0 and against coaches who used to play for him. Well, there you go. I agree. Short week two after a Monday night game, which is a big emotional win. Um, I'll just keep taking the Patriots until they do me wrong. How about that? Sounds right. Yeah. All right. So for everybody involved in the Stinking Truth Podcast, I'd like to thank our presenting sponsor, Core Water. Also, Bud Light for uh, what's on tap. And and we'll be back with you guys next week to uh, to hash it all out again.